will fix you. Hello and welcome to We Will Fix You. We will? Oh, golly, we will. And we join you live from the annual sorrowful comedown after the unitary authorities conglomerated shamanic hootenanny. Any background noises are, of course, just faint snoring and the occasional plea for a little bag of ketamine. So over the groaning, feel free to, uh, to write in and ask us questions. You can get fixed by writing in to wewillfixyoushow at gmail.com. Yes. The gmail.com. It's one of my favourites. That was Mr. Dave Connery, the creator of Soil. Soil! Put it on plants, you fucks! I, of course, am Roger Hart, the last telescopic rag and bone man in Leamington Spa. And this is Ms. Lucy Boys. Hello. Falmouth's most ticklish coroner. <laughs> Today's question reads thus. Right. Now you've done a Working With Twats podcast episode, how about one we all need? Working for twats. You know, the one where we learn new survival tips for working in toxic atmospheres generated by bosses who don't give a shit about you. I mean, I've tried leaving copies of the no asshole rule lying around. I've ended meetings with them the same way they end meetings with me. They tell me to fuck off, so I told them that, and you know what? They didn't appreciate it. Fuckers. And the assholes are the absolute textbook example of the Dunning-Kruger effect, too. Go on, save me, save us. Save us all from this hell of a nine-to-five existence. Anonymous fixie. Anonymous fixie, not anonymous fixie. We, we are not taking asshole questions from a hipster bicycle. Therefore, kicking us off with our advice, Mr. Connery. I've been fortunate enough to work for a few twats over my, over my years. Retail notwithstanding, retail is packed to the gills with twats. It's its own circle of hell, right? Yeah. I'll be talking about that. So my advice to you when you find yourself, especially in a proper grown-up job, working for twats, is run. Run the fuck away as fast as you can. Now, I realise that that is not the most practical advice because people... Sometimes even people other than yourself require the money generated from doing a work. Job is scarce. To, to eat. And job, as you say, is scarce in the fifth largest economy in the world. Getting smaller, though. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. We proper fucked it up. The one time that I have worked for absolute twats, I wound up getting fired. And I have never felt such blessed relief from something that should have been profoundly, aggressively awful than when I got fired from this twat pile. So, I, I formerly worked for a beloved, now defunct, online retailer. Uh, I was hired by a non-beloved and equally defunct online retailer to start up their website, effectively, start up their commercial operations. Oh, was this when you worked on dildoinferno.net? No, that went swimmingly. That was, that was a joy from start to finish. That uh, was their tagline. So we got there, me and a few others, we got there, we got a brief, we fulfilled that brief within a month, presented it back. No, we wanted it to look more like 
other company you worked for. Despite the brief being, make it very distinct from company you previously worked for. At this point I realised we were dealing with absolute assholes. We were then followed up with, oh and by the way, it's got to have all of these swizzy, wonderful features, and also it's got to look like exactly like that on a 640x480 CRT screen because they won't replace any of the equipment in the head office. Haven't in about 10 years. You can't hear me blinking very fast, but I'm blinking very fast. But alarm bells were ringing. This was a publicly traded company, by the way, and at one point the owner told us to down tools on making their website so that their company might have a conceivable chance of survival uh, in order to develop an iPhone app for his restaurant, something that did not need to exist, either the app or the restaurant, from what I can tell. This is demoralizing. Working for Twats is profoundly demoralizing. This lasted for just shy of the three months where they would actually have to start paying mandatory uh, things for laying us off. But even so, it was an absolutely extraordinary relief. I realize that it's not the easiest thing in the world to just land a new job. It involves a lot of effort, but I would say that when you can put the effort into it, when you've got time to do it, it's well worth doing because when that sort of bullshit is ingrained at a high level, you're not going to change it. Those people think they're doing the right thing. And any accidental success that they've had up to that point, or any success that they've derived from having much more competent people beneath them, is only going to reinforce their view that this is correct. So run. Run away. Yeah, I mean, there's an element of battle picking there as well. You, some people might be tempted to try and stay and fix it, but if you're in a position where you can fuck off, painful experience tells us you're not going to fix it. If you're in a position where you can fix it, that's also like not going to be apparent until probably too late in case it goes wrong for you to save yourself. It's going to require a lot of you. Right? Oh, fuck yeah. It is, of course, the heresy to say that anything cannot be fixed, but... Some people just cannot be fixed. Okay, yeah. I mean, run, run, obviously run. I'm gonna pick up the baton from that one though. Um, so you mentioned retail being floor to ceiling, like piled high with twats. Oh. Just a, yeah, an enormous wobbling twat pile that should not be able to sustain itself. Gravity, physics, everything should bring that enormous sack of twats tumbling down, but it hasn't. A blancmange pile. It's self-sustaining. Yeah, that, basically. That thing, yes. That yeah, thing. that, that yeah. thing. And my, my strongest twat working experiences have been in retail. I've worked for a few twats. So, you know, there was the CEO who gave weird, egotistical drive-by pep talks, and that was irksome and lacking in self-awareness, but it wasn't all bad. You got through it with a blend of pandering and ignoring. So. Only once have I worked for real thundering twats, and that was retail. And it's just these, these sad little kings of their molehills, these thwarted, deeply unhappy people, usually men, lashing out and languishing in bureaucracy because it was all they could fucking do. And two things help here. These two things aren't very compatible, so you kind of need to alternate, which is to both humanize and to dehumanize. Humanizing I'm going to skip over because it's boring, but that is to say remember that they're people too and that they have feelings and all that shit. Um, this is kind of the understanding that they punch down because they're passing on a punch that's coming from above. When you're mm. working in a really sclerotic organization in a really sclerotic industry, like retail, if you've got an asshole store manager, he's being an asshole because he's getting assholery from above and his only levers to pull are being a dick to you. He can't actually do anything to say, improve the sales figures that'll stop him having a hard time. 
maybe, but he can get you to move a stack of books from over there to over there. Or they could they could stop indulging the idea that anyone actually wants to fucking sign up for a membership to anything or buy an extra bar of chocolate at the till yeah. because it doesn't. Does it really work? And they can and fundamentally realise that these are stupid ideas had by someone getting having just as much as a hard time in a grotty head office somewhere that has no idea what the. So yeah, you, you can humanise. And that sort of helps you understand where they're coming from. That whole thing of, first and foremost, presume good intent, understand that these twats might be being twats because they're unhappy. You can do all that, and that, that did help me. But it that's your standard, so far, so functional. Be a functional person and show some empathy. Um, we don't really care about that. Empathy sometimes won't cut it, and you, you need a way of coping with the twats you're working for. Um, and so I come to this idea... It, yeah, that sort of public speaking thing of imagine your audience naked or if someone intimidates you, picture them on the toilet. That kind of thing that just sort of, that sort of advice that takes takes away the, the fear, that sort of takes away the monstrousness or intimidation from a difficult person or interaction. I'm more frightened by naked toilet bound people than yeah. anything. I mean, I think it's kind of bad advice in that sense. But um, I, I hit upon a version of this that works for me um, when I was working in retail and I call it the windsock technique because of an elaborate penis. Allow me to explain. So, I had this particularly egregious fat that I worked for, and he was your standard, like, petty jobs worth, massively overbearing because he was deeply unhappy. Ah, awful, awful, fussy, micromanaging dickhead. And quite petulant, quite spiteful. There was, there was everything was oh, basically. Oh, good managerial wrong. qualities. Like, mm. the punching down, the spite, the picking favourites, all of that shit. A friend of mine once, um, as I was, I was complaining about about something he'd done, just said to me, "Yeah, but you should see his foreskin, though." And uh, what? And it turned out that this friend of mine, who um, was uh, was a gentleman, not shy about his predilections and, and not averse to uh, indulging them widely and broadly, mm. um, had had previously, in fact, quite recently slept with this guy, my my awful awful manager and sort of spilled a few of the duties off. And it turned out that basically he had a giant flapping windsock-like foreskin, which was kind of fun to play with. And fun for whom, exactly? Kittens, mostly. They were just batters as he went past. <coughs> oh, God, one's hooked. Yeah, occasionally you just get one hanging off. <sighs> yeah, you have to kind of shake it off. So I thought about this. I thought about my, my manager's voluminous, billowing foreskin and the fun time that he and my friend had had twang it around or whatever it was that they did. This just drifted unbidden into my mind the, the next time he was trying to give me some sort of really inept, emotionally needy bollocking. And I just, I couldn't take him seriously. I couldn't find him powerful or impressive. I was just like, his mouth was moving and I was just hearing foreskin, 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 foreskin. Powerful but, and impressive foreskin. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I realised that the, the ability for him to have any meaningful impact on my life had been, had basically been taken away because... By Zambella and... And I don't want to get into yeah. I don't want to get into body shaming here. That's kind of not what it's about. And it's about that sex is inherently ridiculous. It's kind of daft. And the memorable body shapes are kind of a mental hook. So I don't want to like body shame or kink shame someone if someone's into something that I might find weird. Yes, I might find it a little bit amusing. But the whole thing is that it's it's sort of the comedy version of of humanizing someone. It's realizing that they're they're a squishy, fallible meat thing that engages in fundamentally ridiculous acts. And so my solution to this problem is, is very simple. You just need to find someone to kiss and tell. So yeah, this could be a, a fairly sort of sexually inclusive friend or, or, I don't know, inexpensive sex worker. The point is that you want, 
have to be inexpensive. How generous are you feeling towards these people that are making you miserable? But I, I imagine you're going to want to shave the budget. The key part is that you've got to get the weirder details. And then, you know, the next time they're being an absolute twat to you, you can just be there thinking, <laughs> my mate Amontillado had a great time twanging your flappy cock end, and they have no power over you. You like to use mayonnaise as lube, you fuck. It's like knowing their true name. Learn their sexual true name, basically. Find them ridiculous through the medium of their flapping wanger. You could do that. What else could you do? Well, you know, a common piece of good advice is the idea that the only person whose behaviour you have any real control over is you, and I think my experience has been that this is even truer than usual in the world of the work assholes. You are just a regular person dreaming of, you know, high empathy, compassionate leadership in an increasingly low empathy world, but what can you do? And what I want to say is you should be the leadership you want to see in your workplace. I need to go off on a little shorter side here because when mm. I was searching for radical leadership, by God have those words been co-opted by rich white people on the internet. Fucking hell. You can't actually get to stuff about sort of radical activism mm. unless you use very different keywords. Just blanket radical, blanket leadership, uh, get you blanket thought piece. It is ugh. Rich white dudes spend a lot more time thinking about SEO. Yeah. It's true. I want to quote a gentleman whom some of you may be familiar with. This is uh, Kwame Ture, also known as uh, Stokely Carmichael of the, uh, the Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee and then later the Black Panthers. And he said, the reason your people suffer is that they lack organization and organization is the weapon of the oppressed. Now, how can you get really fucking organized in your own context? These people clearly do not give a shit, which means you almost certainly have needs that are going unmet. What other means do you have to agitate, essentially, to get those needs met? You know, could you form an internal committee to make a report or proposal on aspects of your work environment or culture, which is shitty? Even if you don't actually have any power, you can borrow power just by looking organized. Even the worst management team comes out looking bad if they just totally ignore people who are agitating for reasonable positive change. Mm. Can you go one even better than that and fucking unionise? This is an option that's sort of gone out of fashion in the last few years because capitalism's claws creep ever closer around us every day. But yes, you can almost certainly try and form a union of some sorts, try and get that recognised, formally organise, and see if you can use that sort of again, kind of received power within society to try and get better conditions for yourself. Another sort of side angle, can you find one of the business cunts who might be slightly more amenable and could also stand to gain something politically from helping out as long as they made it look like it was their idea in the first mm -hmm. place? Sometimes the best leadership comes from the person who is holding the puppet equipment, the puppeteer, as opposed to the meat suit that is actually doing the talking. Can you be the puppeteer in this scenario? Now, another sort of fundamental tenet of radical activism is the idea of, you know, self-study, knowledge acquisition and ideological development, by which I mean find out exactly what it is that you're fighting against by expanding your own mind in the meantime. Is it just these assholes or is it the entire system that allows these assholes to prosper? Now, I think it's a pretty good time for anti-capitalist reading, if you want to go and do some. There are a lot of people who are keen at the moment to challenge received notions about human labour. Um, you've got your Capital in the 21st Century and a lot of other related titles if you want to read a book, or there's some also very good articles around. There's also so many people searching for it right now that it's going to take GCHQ ages to actually get to you in the list. Yeah, no, you're low down, don't worry. 
you, you know, just underneath the guy who said, how do I get drugs into Google? The, the strange thing though, and this is, this is strange entirely by design, you may have to penetrate some of your own filter bubbles to actually get at this stuff. The people who are directly profiting from your attention share don't necessarily want you to know more about the world and how it directly profits them. So you might have to go and do a little bit of digging around. It may not necessarily just be popping up on all of your feeds, but it's okay, you can Google this. And I will try and get a link in the show notes because I read something really good recently about um, the sort of late medieval into the Renaissance period, sort of post-Black Death, there were fewer workers than ever and roughly the same amount of work. And over that time, wages were broadly high but fluctuated massively. And one thing that they found when people started looking into this was that when wages were at their highest, workers would do the minimum amount of work it took to get what was roughly an average salary for that time period and not really any more than that. So the idea that you have to sort of morally get up every day and do the same thing every day and the everydayness of it counts and, oh, we can't just give people a universal basic income because they'll just fucking do what they like all of the time. It's actually kind of compelling when you look at it. That does seem to be the way that humans will behave. And again, it's the people who are profiting from your labour want you to think that pre-industrial society was just toil from noon to night. And it wasn't. They were having a great time. They got up after their first snooze and had sex and some more food and then went to sleep again. The food was entirely turnips, though. I'm all right with that. If I get night turnips, I don't get night turnips now. Where are my night turnips? Snooze, sexy time, night turnips, snooze. Yeah. Where do I fucking sign? Take me back in time, baby. I I do quite like antiseptic. Um, There was a lot of disease, that's true. But but night turnips. There's a lot of disease now, it's just in it your morals. It was mostly syphilis and malnutrition. Yeah. And it's a more sort of insidious evil now where you're meant to be happy all the time and you don't know why you're not. Yeah. Whereas back then you'd be dead by 35, so no one ever really got around to properly wallowing in their own misery. You had a pretty good shag though, that was what killed you. Yeah, or a turnip. Or your mother. Could have been a falling turnip. Yeah. People stored them too high up. It's a shame. Killed by a punnet of turnips. A lot of things have round walls as well. It's very hard to get things to rest on shelves. It'll just roll and roll and roll yeah. like one of those pennies in the charity things from the 90s. Building momentum. Yes. But if you... Until it can actually just punch straight through time. <laughs> yeah. Just... But if we are going back we could bring modern ideas of shelving and storage design. So, you know, that's They've already got fucking time-travelling turnips. They don't need it. Oh, shit. Condoms and antibiotics. Yeah. Now, another thing you can do if you, if you don't... If, you know... Being your own leader sounds too hard. You could go in for a little bit of absurdist subversion, which is where you do stuff that is clearly kind of countercultural, but which is also so beyond reproach that anyone who actually reproaches you ends up looking like an idiot. So a good structure from this is, you know, you can put up some signs or start dropping it into conversation that your boss is a... And then just throw in a word that sounds pejorative if you don't really have the best vocabulary on the block, but it actually means something extraordinarily innocuous or even positive. I was going to give you some examples, and then I just forgot every single word I ever knew. So, go and do your own reading. But what I'm saying is the thesaurus is your friend here, and that also fits in pretty well with the whole self-study and knowledge acquisition angle. And then I think to leave you, another great quote I saw, and this one wasn't cited, unfortunately. The radical ideas of one generation are often the common sense of the next. In a workplace context, can you either exploit your organisation for the opportunities and training that will allow you essentially to hop into your next job at a much less toxic company in a leadership position? And then, you know, if you want to play a really long game, can you then also start nurturing the next generation of non-terrible leaders? 
Mm. You may not be able to save yourself, but you can save your fucking kids' generation. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. Yours is bizarrely the most positive view this week. Thank you. Yeah, loath as I am to issue my own dingus-based suggestion, I kind of think we should... I think our questioner should do yours. If you happen to get some dingus dirt dug up at the same time, I mean... It Keep picked it up mind. a lot. It was voluminous. It would just sort of get trapped in there. Like a Hoover bag. Yeah. You, you don't want that. You you want to go dingus Dyson. You need a clean dingus. Bagless. Just roll a, roll a cotton bud round. Yeah, I'm not advoc- advocating like circumcision here. But would that be the Dyson in this scenario? I don't know. I'm very confused. I probably shouldn't be allowed to talk. Which one's going to dry my hands in the least amount of time? Good night. Yep, that'll do. (laughs)